Hello, this is Hope, and you're listening to Covert Castaway. Welcome to my weekly diary of what I learn and how I cope with transitioning to life as a liveaboard cruiser. Accidents, heart attacks, sepsis. These are all things that terrify me when it comes to living on a boat. In today's podcast, I'll talk about medical concerns and steps we're taking to be medically ready when we go sailing on a boat full-time. I've named my amygdala. I call it Steve Austin. Anyone remember the $6 billion man? That's my brain's fear center, fight or flight, and it works really, really well. With this telescopic vision, it can see things happen that no one else can see, even if they won't ever even happen. It's how fabulous my brain is. Until I scare the crap out of myself with visions of medical issues and accidents to the point where I seriously contemplate getting my appendix removed. That is not a joke, by the way. It started out as thinking about all the things that could go wrong on a boat. And the first thing you think of is stuff like fires, drowning, and abandoned ship and all of that. Oh, and of course, shark attacks. Yes, there are things that will go wrong, and that would be terrible. But then there is the likelihood of something actually happening which also needs to be considered. Based on all my research, and trust me, I've read the whole internet on this topic by now, the most likely risks are medical-related and have little to do with sharks. I'm not saying that drowning isn't a risk. It certainly is. What I'm saying is, it's more likely for a medical issue to arise than some other fatal accident, if you cover the basics of good seamanship. So, as we're preparing to live aboard, just as we would practice man overboard, It's prudent to also have a basic understanding of how to manage medical emergencies. I'm preparing a whole other series on sailing risk management, so these other topics I'll definitely get to in a future podcast. Today's is just about the medical things. So of course, the first thing we want to be sure of is how to avoid medical emergencies in the beginning. And this can be done with basic agreements like not boiling water under certain conditions, or like Ryan and Sophie sailing. They had a rule to wear a leather apron when cooking underway, But then she burned her leg by her coffee maker, and it, of course, was the one time she decided not to wear it. But we have to assume those things will happen. So what do you do next? So the first place we turned was where to go to get some basic medical training. People rave about the wilderness first aid class, so we looked that up first. So here are the options. Offshore first aid. This is like the crown jewel of the course that everybody wants to take. It requires nine hours of pre-reading, and then it's a full three days. It's designed for voyaging sailors. Yep, that's going to be us, so it sounds like an adventure, doesn't it? It's offered once a year, it looks like, and wouldn't you know it, this year it falls on the week where I need to be in a strategic planning meetings at work. People rave about it, which is also why it sells out almost immediately every time it's offered. So I've sent emails back and forth to the people that offer this course, and they do seem to respond to email and get back to you and put you on a list and keep you well-informed, so that's good. Then there's Wilderness Medical First Aid. It comes in two flavors, a two-day course and a four-day course. And then you could also take the second flavor if you have to take a week off anyway for the four-day course, which is five days. That's the Wilderness Medical First Responder. And for the price difference and the extra day, it might be worth it. You're there anyway. I've been told by a couple of people now that this, this course is just okay, but there are meaningful differences on a boat, so there's that. We looked at the STCW 
one dashboard and one dash two courses in addition to the safety courses because you can take them together. You can knock it all out at once. There seem to also be a number of courses like this offered in Europe that would also go towards my husband's next RYA certification level for Yachtmaster Ocean. So if you're going for some kind of license, that's something to consider. Then one thing leads to another, and the next thing you know, I'm looking at how to get certified as an EMT. One of my character defects is I have a problem with boundaries. We decided to stay focused and make sure both did basic first aid and CPR. My husband had to do it for his RYA certification, so he's done. Then we'll be looking to complete the wilderness classes at a minimum with a preference for the offshore course. These could be taken either here or in Europe. We're considering one in the UK in case we need to go somewhere to reset our visas. That would be a good place to go. But then we, we just need to cross our fingers and make sure nothing happens during our first season. Meanwhile, the STCW basic courses for safety, firefighting, and first aid are offered here in the Barrier once a month at Cal Maritime. The downside is you have to go during weekdays, which is rough if you work, and all the individual classes are super expensive and they all add up. I bought a bunch of medical books, and the one that I found to be most valuable was Wilderness and Rescue Medicine by Jeffrey Isaac and David Johnson. I was told by the author when I was researching the subject to be sure to get the sixth edition. It wasn't cheap, but I read it cover to cover twice, and it was really, really, really awesome. The reason I liked it is it explained why you assess for certain things, not just what to do. So as a layperson, I could understand better the systems in the body and why it's important to look for certain things. I can imagine this would be very helpful in an emergency situation when half your brain shuts off anyway. I would highly recommend this book to anyone, so I'll say it again. Wilderness and Rescue Medicine by Jeffrey Isaac and David Johnson, 6th edition. So that concludes our podcast section about medical training. So I'm moving now on to discuss medical readiness and preparation. My husband goes every year to get a full physical. I think he might be the only man on the planet Earth who does that. Until last year, I hadn't had a full physical with all the blood work and screening and all that in, I don't know, since the last time I had my second kid, which was... 21 years before that? Sure, I went to the doctor for this and that, but a medical exam and a full physical checkup isn't something that doctors focus on. They fix things. They aren't in the prevention business, so it just doesn't work that way. If you don't ask for one, no one's going to be looking over your shoulder to make sure you did it. As a woman, I've been getting my girly parts inspected once a year, but only the wipers and the transmission, nothing under the hood or in the trunk, if you know what I mean. When I came face to face with this, I was suddenly worried. Like maybe there's something I don't even know about. A couple weeks later, all my blood work came back, and I'm lucky I had a clean bill of health. I'm really grateful for that. Though two benefits of turning 50 is you get to withhold more money in your 401k. That's awesome. And you get the honor of a colonoscopy, which is totally rad. My husband has also been working on his cholesterol for a few years now. He's tall and thin, a plant-based vegan, not a cheating vegan who eats candy and french fries all the time. He has no reason to be borderline or even above borderline when it comes to cholesterol. It's just in his genes, so he's still trying to sort that out with his doctors. Steve Austin is telling me to get a defibrillator, but we'll see. The next was the dentist. I do go for cleanings twice a year, but don't take their advice very serious when they say we're keeping an eye on this crown. I just sometimes feel like dentists are looking for problems, and the out-of-pockets are so freaking expensive for luxury work. But a couple years ago, I cracked a crown and had to get a root canal. I work in tech and we have this event every year that gives me insomnia and makes me grind my teeth at night. I started joking with some of my friends about it and I find out it's totally a common thing for people who do what I do. Go figure. 
Anyway, I recommitted to my dental plan to get my mouth figured out before I leave. Plus, if we live on a boat and we're penniless when we get back, and I don't have a job with insurance, I won't have money to get anything fixed, so I decided to do it all before we left. I have plans, and I need my teeth. Next was vaccinations. Do you know how hard it is to get a record of what you had done as a kid? And apparently, you need that to go into certain countries, it seems, so we wanted to have it. You can get a screening for it. It's an antibody screening, but you have to ask for it, and I'm not entirely sure that insurance covers it. Here's some examples of the vaccinations you need to prove at some point. Hepatitis A, hepatitis B, typhoid, yellow fever, rabies, meningitis, polio, measles, mumps, and rubella, Tdap, chickenpox, shingles, pneumonia, and influenza. I actually didn't even know there was a vaccine for shingles, which is good to know. If you're an anti-vaxxer person, you may not find this useful, but I would really urge you to watch the documentary Chasing Bubbles. It's from 2016 about a sailor and then you can decide. You can find it on YouTube. It's an hour and a half of your life and it's both an inspiring and tragic story and I cried my eyes out. About medical prep and first aid kits. We've spoken to a doctor here in the area. There are doctors who will take all of your medical records and history and then gear you up with all the medicine and help you prepare an emergency kit. Then if something happens, you can call them and get advice. This one doctor we're talking to has a network all around major ports in the Med and the Caribbean, so if something does happen, there's a place to go, and he'll tell you where it is. Medical insurance is a different topic, so I won't cover this here. The one thing that doctors are saying that they're more concerned about these days is the strange infections from bacteria due to climate changes. So he's saying to wear shoes on beaches and not go in the water if you have an open wound. I have a friend who got stung by a jellyfish and the Seychelles, and then it got infected and turned into full-blown sepsis. She was flown out and treated in the UK, then stabilized, came home, and had the infection surgically removed and was in the hospital for a lot more time to recover. She could have died. On that note, let's move on. Finally, now the tough love. And I'm saying this out loud for myself more than it is for you, the listeners. I'm lying to myself if I say I'm in good shape. I sit behind a desk all day on conference calls or fly around and sit in airplanes or airports and spend the rest of my time eating fancy meals with real butter. I'm a cheating vegan. Well, I cheat mostly with fish and bread on business trips. Well, it's sourdough bread, so technically I think it qualifies, but it's still crappy food. I'm good at home with my diet, but I maybe walk the dog or go on a hike a couple times a week, just being honest. I'm within the normal range for my BMI, but if I'm truthful, like look in the mirror truthful, like dig down deep underneath the layers of delusion and stare my soul in the eyes truthful, I have a lot of work to do. If I had to wrestle with lines in a storm or pull my husband onto a boat or swim 600 meters to shore for any reason, I don't want to be asking myself in that moment why I didn't exercise more because Steve Austin will only take me so far. If you need motivation, read the book Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I mentioned him before. And after his book, I signed up for a half marathon to keep me focused. Well, first I signed up for a full marathon and then realized it was ambitious. So I signed up for a half two months prior to that, which is within the realm of possibility since I have five months and I've done one before. Then the full is two months later, so we'll see. I've been doing good, so the book was worth the one credit on Audible to read it. So I suggest you do too. Oh, and I got an Apple Watch, which is really awesome, by the way. It yells at me to do stuff and gives me badges when I reach my goals like drink water and breathe, which I know we shouldn't need a watch to tell us what to do. I feel like a first grader every time I get one, shaking my head here. It sounds stupid, but it actually works and every little bit helps. 
My husband, on the other hand, rides his bike to work, and he does all the other stuff, including stretching, because he has a level of self-discipline that mere mortals only aspire to. What did I learn through this? It was a good reminder that our health is our number one asset. Without it, we don't get to do this at all. The same is true in my day-to-day life. But thinking about it in terms of needing it for sailing really made me realize how much I take my health for granted. I hide behind excuses like I have more important things to do. Seriously, I'm not that important. President Obama had important things to do, and he exercised almost every single day. Ooh, I wonder if I can load Michelle's voice onto my watch. That would really be something. But honestly and truly, what is more important than taking care of my health that will ultimately help me live a longer, more satisfying life? Not one single thing in the world. What about you? What are you thinking about when it comes to medical readiness and the preparation for living on a boat? Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. Oh, 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 oh,